And welcome to another episode of On The Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com or on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, Spotify whatever you're listening to us. Uh, thanks for joining us, the music of the Brat Pack, and uh, we'll explain why we know why, because we've got a very special Brat Pack guest. It'll be in the graphic when you click on, I'm sure, that we've got Nick. Uh, no doubt about it, and we've been promoting it also for the last uh, <laughs> few days as well. Well, she Lyle, good day to you guys. Very good day, Tony. Yeah, how you going, mate? I'm very well, thank you, mate. What a big weekend! Yeah, big week. Yeah, uh, to do a bit of work actually, not just watch a show. Bit weird. Yeah, it was a bit weird. Talk about that a little bit later on. Yeah, um, tell you what, I got there and I was a little bit under the weather, but I was sober by the end of the show, which was good. Because you had to work hard, also. Well, no, well, you didn't really. I had to go and hand out some MCW <laughs> flyers at the end of the show. You did well. Well done with that. Uh, who would like to introduce our guest? I'll do it. Oh, right, please. We got one half of the three time MCW tag team champions, Nick Berry. How you going, mate? That is the big, sexy unit, Nick Berry. That was the worst introduction. Like, leave, it really was. Lucky like, it wasn't Loverboy sitting here. I knew he was going to. Loverboy would have ripped you apart, mate, if he did that for Yeah, him. but it's not Loverboy. And I knew you'd give the big sexy. I felt weird and uncomfortable saying. Big sexy. I know you so are. You're right beside me. That because I am the big sexy. That's know, you know. You're not was a little bit sexy. So. Oh, that's true. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the big sexy unit, Nick Berry, introducing himself, who just debuted with New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I would have had as part of my introduction if I'd done the introduction. What the hell has just happened, Nick? <laughs> the big sexy Nick Berry joins us. Good day, Nick. G'day, how are we? Well, if you want a job done, you've got to do it yourself, don't you, if you want it done properly. Mate, congratulations. What a fantastic uh, thing for you on the weekend to debut with New Japan Pro Wrestling. How it all happened, though, is the most intriguing thing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was only like 24 or 48 hours notice. 24, yeah. Yeah, 24, it, and you're told you're yeah, on. Yeah, actually under 24 hours notice. So take us through the whole process. What happened? Um, it's a, it's a cool little story, so... I was gearing up and I noticed that uh, I was at BCW that night, actually. I was just about to wrestle Mitch about two hours before the match. And um, I noticed I got a message and it was from Farley. And he was just saying, when when you have a chance, give me a call. Now, hang on. Now, when you see that you've actually had a missed call from Farley, what happens there? What goes through <laughs> your head at that point in time? Well, first of all, I see the the little Facebook gimmick that pops up and it shows you yeah. what, what, their, what, their name, uh, what their image is. And I've gone, I don't recognise that image. And I click on it. And I'm like, we've never spoken before <laughs> like, on Messenger. And then he's just gone, when you have a second, give me a call on this number. I've gone, I need to duck out for a second, boys. So I'm like thinking maybe they need something. Maybe they need a doctor. Yeah, they, they could need a doctor. They could need a rigger. They could need an ice cream man. I don't know. I'll be there. I'll help them out. And, and so I went down and gave him a call. And he just goes, do you want to work tomorrow? And I've just sort of froze for half a second. I'm like... Yes, and he's like, one of the young lions can't make it from Japan, and uh, and we want to put you in the six man to open the show. So, are you good with that? Are you up for the opportunity? And I said, absolutely. And like, my I was getting goosebumps, like just yeah, oh, so nervous and shaking. I'm just uh, so appreciative yeah. of the of the opportunity, and yeah, just took it. And then walked inside, and I was pretty much like white, like a ghost. And Mitch has just come up to me and just gone, "What's happened?" And I'm like, "I need to 
talk to you by the ring. <laughs> and like, and so he's like, all right, come on. And we went down and just gone, I got the call up. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm opening the show for New Japan tomorrow night. And he's just like, well, what the fuck? I'm like, are you serious? Amazing. Yeah. So it was a really cool, cool moment. Uh, and then we still went out and, and killed it that night for BCW and, we had a 10-minute match for the Battle Express title in their tournament and end up being a draw because uh, they have the 10-minute the 10, 10 beat-the-clock challenge sort of thing. Uh, so what ended up happening, that we both kicked each other in the head, both went down, and there was about three seconds left and no one pinned each other. So we walked away in our first ever match as a draw. So more than keen to have another one down the line. So, I mean, already going into that BCW show, that's going to be your only match of the weekend. Of the weekend, And yeah. that's a massive match because you and Mitch so close and haven't wrestled before. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Did it mean a lot that you got the news, the first person you told was Mitch, and then you got to share the ring together? Yeah, yeah. Like, when you put it that way, that's, that's really cool. Um, like, we're, he's one of my best mates. So it, we, we talk about wrestling all day, every day. Um, we're in, like, we, we call ourselves very group, group chat over. We're in about oh, at least a dozen group chats and <laughs> basically all day, every day we're talking about wrestling or or just talking about parties and pops and everything like that. We're always popping each other. So it was it was a really cool moment for, for him and I to go out and then and celebrate it like that. And then going into the next day, like I knew what I had to get done. Would you get um, any sleep? Did you get any sleep that night? No, <laughs> not at all. Uh I set my alarm for 7.30 and I woke up every hour pretty much on the dot just waking up going, yeah, sure, it's 7.30. And, <laughs> it's like and, Christmas. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just going into that day, I was so nervous. Like, you should have seen my armpits. Just sweat was coming out. and I'd never been – it was like going into, like, the worst job interview ever that you're just like, I need this, I need this, I need this. And you just just try not to stuff up while you're walking in there and – just also take the time to soak it all in and be like, I'm actually going to be wrestling at Festival Hall, which is such a big deal just in itself. And then secondly, like, I'm wrestling for New Japan. Like, that's my dream since I got into wrestling. And pretty much AJ Styles has been my favorite wrestler since I was 11 years old. And he's the one that brought me over to start watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. And ever since I saw him there, I've wanted to end up being there. And and getting that opportunity was just amazing. Like I've done multiple tryouts with them and done all the Farley Dojo tryouts down here and also in Sydney. Uh, and then actually spent some time in the LA Dojo recently this year. So it all just kind of kept on ticking another box, ticking another box, ticking another box until eventually I was pretty much, I guess, like a like what would be an emergency in a football side Yeah, and got the call up that way. So I'm still buzzing from it all. So... Do you ever ask yourself, Nick, why they pick me? I mean, is that just, and I don't mean that with any disrespect at all, but obviously there's so many guys that they could have gone for. Do you say to yourself, why they pick me? Do you, do you know why they picked you? I don't know exactly why they picked me, and that is a good question. Uh, I feel like I've taken the right steps in putting myself forward for how New Japan wants you to uh, present yourself, like doing all the Farley Dojo tryouts, actually flying myself over to LA to to go and train with the young lions over there. Um, that's where I went, met Rocky over there and he took me through a couple of days of training. Um, and yeah, he actually gave me a bit of a tick of approval going into that. So it was, it was a few people. There was him, there was Gino, there was Farley. They all said yes. And that all got the ball rolling. So like when they needed to replace someone, my name popped up and just being... Like being under their being under their 
their eyes and their ears the whole time, like constantly being there whenever there's an opportunity, just gave me the opportunity at the right time. So one person always told me it's always better to be overprepared. So at any time when you get that opportunity, you're ready for the opportunity. And I mean, the harder you work, the luckier you'll get. And it sounds like you've just been ticking all those boxes. And I know when we spoke to Gino and Farley a couple of weeks ago, they both mentioned about going to all of those tryouts. And I know Gino mentioned you and Mitch directly in in the reason to support these shows was to get you and Mitch, you know, onto them. Mm. And you just got fast forwarded a little bit. <laughs> hey, it's kind of crazy how that happened. Like, what, literally two shows ago you guys were saying that? And then I actually listened to that podcast and it was really cool that Gino uh, mentioned us like that. And then two weeks later, I'm at Festival Hall working for New Japan. In probably one of the biggest... If not the biggest, the second, one of the top two biggest shows in the history of Australian wrestling, I would have thought. Yeah, well, when you put it that way, it's pretty special. <laughs> now, when uh, you get the news, obviously you tell Mitch first. How do you tell your parents? You give him a call or you, you duck around? Uh, What's their Dad reaction? Dad first said, can I watch it on main event? <laughs> <laughs> Old school pay-per-view. <laughs> Still main event. Yeah. He wanted to call up Foxtel and pay for it. Um <laughs> Uh, they're, they're not big travellers, um, so we all live in Bentley uh, in the southeast suburbs of Melbourne and they hate driving anywhere past uh, north of the Yarra. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, they were ecstatic for me though. They were they gave me big hugs and everything. I went and popped over to theirs um, on the Saturday morning and just to sort of tell them the news and everything and they were so happy and they were a bit shattered that they couldn't watch it on Foxtel. Um, so <laughs> so I had to, had to get on the New Japan world and show them that. Uh, but, yeah, th- they were really happy for me and I called a couple of my mates that have supported me since day one and, and told them all about that. But I wasn't allowed to post anything on, on Facebook or social media in any platform. Um, so when I actually walked out and the crowd, like, popped huge for it, it was it was amazing. It was a really cool feeling. Like, there's a moment where I actually rub my arms like this because there was genuine goosebumps when I heard the eruption as I'm walking out like a goof in my Brat Pack gear. And just doing my thing, and and it was a really cool feeling. And then when I hopped in the ring, and the whole crowd's chanting Barry, it was it was a moment I will never forget. So because we, we were in the media room, and we were watching it on Fight TV, um, and we had Mikey, the owner of MCW, with us backstage. And the first we heard you were in the matches when he told us when we got there, and then we heard the massive pop. And because of the there's about a forty second delay on our feed, we're like. Barry must have just got in the ring. And sure enough, the hugest pop, one of the biggest pops of the night was you just setting foot in the ring. Yeah, it was very eerie. And it was it was so cool that, like, I got to debut for New Japan in my home city as well mm, yeah. in front of, like, the very rare audience. Yeah, very rare. Did you – were you expecting a pop? Not, obviously not as big as that, but you knew there'd be a small percentage of Melbourne City wrestling fans in their audience or – you know, all over the eastern side uh, of I mean, side everyone of the loves a big sexy unit, yeah. so you can't really blame them too much. But uh, I wasn't expecting that big of a pop, no, that's for sure. So I feel like the people that were there on Saturday, they all tune into the scene. Uh, you might not see all 3,000 of them at the show at MCW every week, but they definitely follow it. So I would say there's a very large percentage of that audience that would have known who I was but I wasn't expecting that eruption, though. No. Yeah, and when, when it's a surprise for the, the live crowd like that, a small part of a fan is like, 
we've made it because mm. obviously we've watched you for so many years on the Australian independence. He's always scene. trying to hitch on to people's success. Always. We, all, we, we all do. It's the same with Robbie. We all feel like, you know, we're a part of, we supported you guys along the way. So I think it just heightens the reaction the crowd get when you came out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned doing your uh, debut in Melbourne was special. Doing your debut at Festival Hall, was that even more special? Because uh, it literally is. It is the home of wrestling in Australia. I've got no doubt about that. Oh, it really is. And I just hope that going forward there's a lot more shows, not just once a year at Festival Hall. Like that atmosphere there is amazing and the, the heritage and history of that building, like just what's gone through there, not just wrestling but just in general. Like the Beatles have been there, for example. Like it's it's insane and I want to see a lot more wrestling there because it can hold a lot of people and there's no reason that companies like MCW can't sell that out. Can I give you an analogy of Festival Hall for me? And and I don't know. Have you guys ever been to Vegas? No, I yeah, haven't. Yeah, yeah, I have. Okay. Fremont Street, the old part of Vegas? Oh, yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So Festival Hall for me is like that. When you, As soon as you step into Festival Hall, you feel the ghosts of the past. You feel, uh, you know, the, the Mario Milanos and all those guys who wrestled in the past have been in that room and you actually get that feeling, that sense of history about it. Whereas in other wrestling venues, you don't because it's all fairly fresh and it's all happened. And Vegas is exactly the same. You walk down the main street of Vegas, the, the main strip of Vegas, and it's just bright lights and there's no real history. But if you go to Fremont Street, you know that Sinatra walked past her. You know that Elvis, Elvis walked down that street. All, all those guys, Sammy Davis Jr. And you can actually feel the history. It's, a, it's an amazing place to walk into. I've, I've done it, yeah. I've been down there and <laughs> Vegas did a number on me, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad I remembered some of it. It's definitely Australia's Madison Square Garden or Corican Hall. Yes. It's um, it's where the home of what we love watching and you love performing in, it's it's the home. So um, we will talk about other things, but um, there's a few more New Japan questions I think I want to ask. Um, what was it like being in that locker room? The locker room was cool. Um Everyone got along. Everyone was just pranking each other and having a laugh. And it was it was very similar to locker rooms like that you would find in Melbourne and everywhere else I've gone to. Uh, there's no real big egos there. Everyone, very, very respectful. Um, like, say, for example, Tanahashi just giving you the ultimate respect when greeting him for the first time. Uh, you're all on the same level there. Uh, and I can't really complain. Like, it was just an a really respectful, cool, natural atmosphere to be in and great catering too. The salad. catering. The Japanese salad was amazing. Oh. Yes. How good was that? I don't yeah. know what was in it, but it was just. Well, didn't get anywhere. Did you, you get fed, Tony? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> he probably Bullshit. ate all of ours. He ate all three serves. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to be honest. Well, big boys, big gates. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, that's, and that's great to hear that it was respectful. I think we found that too when the guys were coming into the media room. You know, it was all. There was a lot of respect about that, and you know they'd, they'd do their their promo, what they had to do at the end of it. But then, then you know, thank you very much, and as they walked out and stuff. So there was, yeah, I'm not sure how much was... Jay White respects you, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually not sure whether Jay White respects anyone, but anyway, that's another thing. Um, how was it coming out in full Brat Pack gear as well, not just um, you know, babyface Nick, yeah. uh. Full stick, doing everything. How was that? Uh, it's what I wanted to do. Um, so when I got the call up, I packed every bit of wrestling gear that I own, <laughs> just not knowing what they wanted. So whatever they said, I was going to be able to perform for them. 
and they wanted me to come out as babyface. Um, so I'm like, yep, sure, no worries. Uh, and then I'm like, hey, uh, these people will probably know me better from my MCW stuff than anywhere else as MCW gets the most coverage in Melbourne. Do you think that I could wear my Brat Pack here? And they said, absolutely. So I'm like, sweet, no worries, I can do that. And then when I came out, I had the the, the Brat Pack jersey on with the with the merchandise jersey on the back. So when I did my little thing and came out like a Brat Pack, it was and the pop just went bang. I was like, yep, it was a very smart move. But mm-hmm. just being having Brat Pack on New Japan was a very special moment, not just for me, but for everyone in the Brat Pack and everyone that supported the Brat Pack for the last what three years that we've been around. So that was that was a really really cool feeling. And it's just, um, I love that you had the confidence to ask for it too, um, because I mean, a lot of people would have just, you're in a environment that you're, you're out of your depth a little bit because you've never been in it before. And a lot of people would have just been baby face. Okay. I'll just go put on my baby face costume. Um, but I love you had the, you had the confidence to ask. And then once you're in the ring and you're getting, you're feeling the crowd, you just went with it and you gave, you gave a Nick Berry performance. Yeah. I, I couldn't change anything like what I've done in the past and, and to get up to that point of getting the opportunity, I had to have done something right along the line. So just don't change a thing and keep on doing what I'm doing because eventually it's going to pay off. Now, I'm tipping that when you've got a big match against someone, there's a sort of a, a, a level of understanding about how that match is going to sort of you know progress through and, and, and the things that you do. When you're going into a ring for the very first time with people you've never met before, how does that all pan out? Uh, is it the same sort of thing? I mean, like, when you're at that level, you're not sort of worried about is this guy any good or is this guy safe? Mm. Like, you know he's going to be safe and it's it's going to be fine and everything like that. It's more you sometimes you, you don't have chemistry straight away. Like, when you lock up with someone for the first time, that normally that takes a bit of time and a, a few matches to end up getting to that point. And then there's some people that you can lock up with straight away and within a minute you go, this is going to be a really, really good match. Like, you can just feel it. Uh, with these guys, it was it was very much like that. It was just it was very easy. Um, we didn't plan too much going into it. Uh, all I knew was that I was going to get a very small bit in at the start. Uh, they didn't really know me too well, so I was happy for whatever they needed to get done. I just knew that whatever I was going to do in there, I was going to get the gimmick over. Uh, so I'm like, I know if I don't get anything physically in, I can get my character in, and that's all that matters. So as long as the crowd were reacting the way that we wanted them to react and the story was told and the match was fine, That's I'm happy with that. And you're undefeated. And I'm undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> now, in such a, a big uh, match for yourself personally, does it go by in a blur or you have times to take it all in while you're actually in there? I definitely made sure I soaked it all in. Like there was a few people messaging me saying just – chill and soak it all in and take your time out there and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, okay, I'll make a big, big effort just to sort of relax when I'm in there because I was a ball of nerves going into it. But once we had got the match set, I knew what I was doing for the night. I knew I was going to be Brat Pack. It was about an hour before we were about to go on. I was calm as anything. Like Nothing really could phase me. And it wasn't until I walked out when I got the goosebumps and that's when I was like, wow, this is, this is big. Mm. That's awesome. Because um, you've had a pretty big even last 12 months. I know that you were in the ring with Tajiri recently. Um, what was that like? Oh, Tajiri, that was a that was another dream match of mine. Like, I have a martial arts background growing up as a kid, and I always looked at that sort of style of wrestling. Um, so Tajiri and guys like Loki as well. 
Uh, and I, I love that sort of offense. And, and Tajiri was just, he was awesome back, back in the WWE, like what, over a decade ago. And I always looked up to him. So when BCW told me that they wanted, they thought, they thought that we would be a good fit together, uh, with our styles, I was like over the moon with that. So we actually opened the show for BCW night one of the, of that, I guess, ECW tour, um, <laughs> It was and, probably the best match of the night too. Oh, cheers. In my um, opinion. It was it was great fun. And then night two, I was wrestling Sabu. So it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> and was, you got the mist as well in the face, which was uh I I mean, did. if you're wrestling to Jury, you need you need to have that in there, don't you? Yeah, he's a cheeky little bugger. <laughs> yeah. We actually seen you were intermission, you still had it on. How long did it take to get the mist out? Oh, a good couple of days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've cop Sid's mist a few times. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you've you've probably had a few Sundays where you're looking a bit green. Oh, yep, yep. I've had red, I've had green, uh, Blue. pretty much, yeah, anything under the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your calendar, mate. Is it packed? Is it, There's a fair bit happening over the next few months? And, no and holidays. Yeah. So this Saturday is Essendon versus Sydney, and I've known about that date for three months because for the last three months I haven't had a, a weekend off from wrestling, so I've booked that in, booked the tickets in. I'm, that's like it's, it's getting very busy, so it's a really good thing to have that many bookings and not just in Melbourne but also Australia-wide as well. So the last two weekends leading into uh, New Japan, um, Lover Brats were on tour. So me, myself. And uh, Tony's mate. Uh, yeah, your mate, your mate Lockie, Mitch and myself yeah. were, uh, were on tour for IWA and Newcastle Pro Wrestling. So we went to Dubbo, we went to Lithgow. Uh, Lithgow is the worst town I've ever been to. It is <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, what was the other town you said? Dubbo. Dubbo. So <laughs> Lithgow is so bad that when compared with Dubbo, it's the worst town he's ever been to. The, the yeah. reason Lithgow is bad is because all the shit falls down from Bathurst. Bathurst is I higher. guess so, yeah. Is, is yeah. it true that Dubbo's got a good nightclub? That's what Lockie told me. Oh, it's a great nightclub. <laughs> yeah, it was going really well for me. Like I managed to actually see a girl there and – um. I'd met her in Sydney, so I'm like, boys, I'm in. Like, <laughs> she's just walked up to me. I've co- saw her at the corner of my eyes and landed one on my lips. I've gone, oh, this is good. This is real good. The boys are like, they're all up and about for me. And uh, I was introducing her to my friend Mehmet, and I've gone, Mehmet, this is. And I just went blank. Oh. <laughs> and I couldn't remember her name. And she goes, Shannon, and shakes Mehmet's hand. And I've gone, yep, Shannon, Mehmet, Mehmet, Shannon. <laughs> and See, I, I, used to have a, I used to have a technique for that when I'd forgotten the name. You have to whis- whisper to your mate so that he'll introduce himself. You look a bit rude, but you haven't forgotten their name. Then oh, he can you tell go. you what the name is. That's one for the back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Do you introduce yourself as the big sexy unit? Of course. Oh, well. Gets me free beers. Yeah, well, fair enough. What so, What is a not well, the the lover brats look out in Dubbo? How does that I How does that go? Like, can and you take Tony along? Lockie getting? <laughs> Sorry, what was how that? much attention's Lockie getting? When oh, Lockie gets a fair bit of attention with that hair, <laughs> positive and negative. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. No, a typical night for us. We uh, we'll have a couple of pre's after the show. Uh, back in the hotel, uh, get get all dressed up, smelling nice for the ladies, and then. Hit the club and we're good dancers, very good dancers. Uh, and it's safe to say once once we're on the dance floor, it's pretty much game over. And then when when the game changes are on tour, phew, it is it's something special. So we uh, we we do well for each other and we get pretty rowdy, but we always have a good time. Wow! I did run into Lockie pre-show on Saturday, and uh, he was a few beers in. And I think he was uh, about to hit some good form. Uh, he was pretty happy for you, though. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I I saw uh, I saw him about ten beers deep afterwards, and um, <laughs> so did we. <laughs> <laughs> he was entertaining. <laughs> did you adore right, Tone? Seen him ten beers deep? No, did I'm just glad that you actually told me that he was at that pub and I didn't go there. So I was yep. really happy about that. Fair enough. I'm sure he was glad you weren't there either. I'm sure he was. <laughs> um, I'm sure he was. I was at a show. Oh, it was earlier this year, late last year, where you had a death match against Mad Dog. How did that come about, and what was it like? Because um, was that your first death match like that? Yeah, so I'd done a couple of hardcore matches before, uh, but never a death match. And I knew that they were having like a death match going into it, and one of the wrestlers uh, didn't make it for whatever reason, and I got a call up the day before it, just saying from the promoter saying. This is the reasons what's happening. Um, technically, you're our number one contender because you won the the battle royal. Uh, what was that? That was in Sydney of the ECW tour. Uh, so technically, you were meant to face Mad Dog anyway um, down the line or whoever was champion at, at, uh, after that death match. So he goes, "Do you want to put it on the line now and and have a death match? And if so, can we do it? Like, what what's your rate, sort of thing?" So, uh. I've always wanted to do a death match and I don't, there's like, there's a pro and a con to it. Like I really think they're good if you've built up a long feud towards it and it's a big payoff going like in hindsight, thinking back to it, it's probably not the smartest from a storytelling point just to go in there and do it. But I've always wanted to tick it off. And with mad dog as well, that was an awesome opportunity. I think he's such a great wrestler and uh, we back going to do it against anyone. That's who you probably want to oh, be in absolutely. there with in the yeah. Australian scene. Yeah. Or even Crackerjack, yep. Um, oh, Lobo as well. Yeah. And we backed it up the next month in a, in a, just a basic um, main event style match that wasn't with all the gimmicks. Uh, and that was just as fun. Like, but the death match itself, I probably wouldn't do it again. Um, it's sort of ticked off and not unless there's a big feud leading up towards it, but like it, it was a lot of fun. It was hard hitting. Uh, I felt it. I was having like three showers a day to get glass out of my back. Um, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, there was thumbtacks. There was lighting tubes. There was oh, barbed wire oh, tables. A lot of tables, chairs, everything. There was. It was crazy. Which was the worst? To go through? Uh let me see. I th- oh, probably the superplex that was on a table that had a bed of uh, thumbtacks onto it. Uh, so that really sucked. And the barbed wire table I got stuck in, that sucked. Uh, the lighting tubes surprisingly weren't as bad, but they split me wide open. <laughs> like he he ended up headbutting four of them wrapped together on my head. And yeah, that got me a good, good little cut. <laughs> so how much um, how much is Mad Dog helping you out with that, that being your first time? Is he pretty much really looking after you, advising yeah, you on what to do? Yeah, I was pretty like nervous that? going into it. And he was just like, if there's anything that you absolutely do not want to take, let me know. And I noticed that he's got like a bed of gusset plates that he was gluing on. And um, if you don't know what gusset <laughs> plates are, they use them on construction sites to, to hold two oh, bits of timber Lord. together. And they're kind of like a probably an inch long nail. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to go through that because that's pretty fucked. <laughs> so <laughs> I end up hip tossing him onto it and he took that. So I got out of that one. Did the Lego come out at all? Uh, no Lego. Mad Dog says that's the worst. It is Because the there's worst. no gift. <laughs> yeah. Mad Dog says something's the worst. Yeah, that's I'll take his word for that. Yeah, yeah a wrestler Johnny Devine. I can actually do a decent Johnny Devine impression. Uh, when I was training over at Landstorms um, in, in Canada a few years back, he goes, 
Okay, guys, so what do you think is worse than having thumbtacks to bump on? Think about it for a second. A bunch of Legos. Yeah, that's right. Imagine walking on Legos and how much that hurts. Now you got to take bumps on that. Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> Gross. I reckon the cactus would be pretty bad as well because just of getting into your skin. Nah, not a fan. Yeah. Did it give you a whole new appreciation of those sort of blokes? Those oh, I definitely Hardcore did. guys? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's not my forte. Um, I love technical wrestling. Can you understand how it is anyone's? Yeah. No, but yeah, like you think guess. about the blokes who love it, Cracker Jack, Mad Dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Demented, a feeling Demented, that I can't explain. Avery. Yeah, like the <laughs> adrenaline that I had after that match and during when I was out there was I couldn't feel a thing half yeah. the time. Like you were so g'd up, it was it was really cool. I looked away several times during that match. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> What's a dream match for you, Nick? If uh, if you were to give the opportunity within the next six months to to pick someone that you could fight against, who who would that be? On the Australian scene, uh, probably anyway. both. One in Australia, anyway, yeah, one, one international. Yeah. So, uh, I would say I'll, I'll give you one as a singles, one as a tag, and then one as like a dream for an yeah. international. Uh, my dream international has always been AJ Styles. He's always been my favorite wrestler. Uh, my dream tag match is Rat Pack versus the Velocities. We yep. really want to get that one under our belt. Um, and we've had a really good run this year with all the top t- tag teams in the country and even last year too. So that's one that I really want to get under. Um, and also the Babes as well. That would be really cool. Uh, and as a singles for Australia, probably Damien Slater. Yeah, because you wrestled him in tag matches, but he's he's so underrated. Yeah, yeah, he's so good, and just his technical ability is crazy. So no gusset deathmatch versus Lobo in the future? <laughs> no, no, I'm good. Yeah. No, okay, okay. <laughs> Ouch, yeah. Now the, the, the Brat Pack, um, we had, we've had both Mitch and Avery in the studio before, and they talk about how you three are a family mm-hmm. um, celebrating each other's successes, and I know that, they would have celebrated your success this week. Um, how about Avery getting announced for the Stardom tournament? Oh, it was for what I had this weekend. It was for her a couple of weekends ago when we got the news for that. Like, that's huge. Uh, I know she's such like such a big Japanese wrestling fan. Like, she's always wanted to go over there and wrestle there. And, and she's told us about that for years. And then she's always said how much, like, she wants to get there and get some some way get her foot in the door, and she's done that, and she's straight on to stardom, and it's it's unreal to hear. Like, I'm so happy for her, and so is Mitch, and she just can't wait to get over there. Like, she's going to the UK, and, and then she's gone straight to Japan. It's like me and Mitch were saying, like, once she's in the UK, she's going to spend a couple of months there, and she's going to get picked up either from NXT UK or she's going to get go straight to Japan, and she got the latter. I do think that she'll get over big time in stardom as well. I think... Yeah. Um, That'll her, be a her, her character yeah. in Japanese wrestling. The fact that she's prepared to do everything as well. I think, um, I think she's going to be a star. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When um, when she told you that she was leaving, is it uh, sadness as well as you know you're happy for her taking the next step and gambling on herself, moving over to the other side of the world? I mean, we we all have to at some point. Uh, we all got to leave home, and it was just her turn to go. So. Of course, there is sadness that we can't have her around anymore, and we we can't have have a laugh backstage, and we can't have a laugh in the ring together, and like we have so much fun in the Brat Pack together, and and she's such a cool chick as well. Um, and 
but she's doing the right thing for her and, and her career. So we're really happy for her. And it's good that they haven't broken up the Rat Pack as well. You can always come back together. Yeah. Everywhere. That's, that's anywhere yeah. in the world. Profession, uh, making a profession now of wrestling, is that something that you can see you'd love to do down the track? Yeah, absolutely. I've always said that when I got into the wrestling business, it wasn't to make millions and millions or get all this fame or anything like that. I've just wanted to make a living from wrestling, and my ultimate goal in wrestling is just to say that I bought my house from it. Like Melbourne prices are pretty crazy. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I want to end up just saying that I own a house in Melbourne and it was from wrestling. But absolutely, if I can make millions, hell, I'll take that. But if not, I'm 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 content just trying to a grow the scene in in Australia because there is so much talent here and people are starting to really notice it in the last year or two. I'd say that it's really starting to boom. Uh, and we have people leading the charge like Robbie Eagles and and Mikey Nichols in New Japan, but then also everyone in WWE. Like there's what five six. Aussies in WWE at the moment. So people are starting to notice where are these guys coming from and then they they look deeper into the Australian inter scene and they see places like MCW and they see PWA and they see EPW, they see Riot City Wrestling and there's a big boom going on. So if we all can continue that, then we're going to we're going to reap the rewards. Uh but if at the same time you have to do what's best for you, and if you get opportunities internationally, then you have to take that because ultimately that helps you and that also helps the scene. I think the other thing too is if you were ever in doubt about where you were sitting in the pecking order in wrestling, getting a gig like Saturday night gives you that opportunity to think to myself, well, hang on, it mustn't be too far away. It's good on the resume. Yeah, it is good on the resume. Uh, I still have a lot to work on, a lot to to improve on, but I feel like I'm heading in the right direction. Yeah. So. Um, I'm I'm happy where I am at the moment and I really want to keep on climbing up the ladder and I feel like the this year we've really made a point or at least in the last uh, 12 months uh we've really made a point in MCW that we wanted to be known as one of the top tag teams in the country not just a top MCW tag teams but to to get the opportunity to to wrestle with all these great tag teams that we've had brought in so it's been an amazing experience and I just want to keep on growing and getting better at what we do. Um, and there are some great tag teams in Australia and it's actually sad that you don't get to get in the ring with them more often. Um, it's because like you get the one-off match against the Perea, mm -hmm. but I'd love to see an extended run against those guys, for example, where you know you can work out who's going to play babyface, who's going to play heel, because you're not quite sure when you first go out how the crowd's going to react to the guys from interstate and you guys end up getting babyface reactions against all the interstate teams. Yeah, I, I I feel like that's to do with MCW fans are very loyal. Uh, they do like supporting their their homegrown guys. That's not to say that they didn't like them, but... I love uh, them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like they were very charming in the way they were muzzing out, but... <laughs> I end up grabbing the stick and had a bit of karaoke in me. So <laughs> the crowd seemed to love that. I thought I was a very good at karaoke. And um, I can really rock out K-San, that's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like the MCW fans are very loyal. So they, they will support their homegrown guys. Um, and we're not quote-unquote heel or babyface. We kind of just a brat pack. And you can take it or leave it however you want. But I'm not going to... I'm not going to shake hands and kiss babies out there. I'm just going to be the big sexy unit and I'm going to do unit things. Who, who's winning a, a dance-off between the Pereira and the Lover Brats in Dubbo on the dance floor? Well, you just have to ask the Dubbo faithful. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> book, book the prayer up there. I'd actually like to see that. <laughs> that would actually be good after the night out. Well, Nick, uh, you and you some questions. Oh, we have two. Yeah, yes, of course. Some questions. Ooh, fire away. And then we'd be awesome if we just keep you for the yeah, rest for of the show bit. as well. Yeah. Um, I've got one from Andrew Elms. He wants to know why do you hate the action figure community, and do you secretly collect them? Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not a nerd. Uh, not like JXT. No. I- <laughs> Like, I'm 23 years old. I don't have toys in my room. I don't play with toys. I don't understand the need to play with toys. You're a grown adult. Like, go to the gym, lift some weights. I don't know. Go have a beer. Don't play with toys. I don't get it. Like, if you were 12, yeah, go for it. Like, I bought my little nephew, who's four years old, the Money in the Bank uh, briefcase, a little action figure one, so he can put his action figures in there, and you got an AJ Styles doll. But when when you're 23 to... 30, I don't understand why you need to collect toys. I don't I don't see the the, the appeal to it. What do you say to Jack Steve mm. when he's talking about his toys, his dolls? Uh, <laughs> burn your boots. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jack Steve. Nothing wrong with toys? No, nah, he's all right. He just loves his toys, but I don't understand it. Mm. Does he play with them though? Doesn't he just... Put oh, him on a shelf. He, does. he would. Yeah. Like if you walk into his room, it looks like you've walked into a twelve-year-old's dream. There's <laughs> just toys everywhere. Wow. What are you doing in his room? I wasn't there. <laughs> I heard from a friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No comment. Yeah. I uh, got a question from Facebook from Matt Milburn. How true to life is your big unit persona at Wrestle Rock? Well, I just left the biddies and on the way here, and I'm wearing my bum bag. So he is too. He is wearing his bum yeah. bag. So you can uh, you can take it or leave it. Okay. I hope that answers the question, Tony. You've got one. I have two on the back of my piece of paper here from uh, Kevin Cheers. Uh, any progress on wellness violations at Wrestle Rock, and will you be cleared for the 26th? Uh yeah. Coach Bazza has signed me off. I'm all good to go. Excellent. Being a doctor, you could just sign yourself off, couldn't you? I could, but doctors can't medically uh, sign off for this for themselves, so they still have okay. to get another doctor to recommend. Yeah, so you're, and you're, only, you're only a WWE qualified doctor, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any more? No, no, that's all, right. all I've got. Nick, thank you for being so honest about your career. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have a chat to you about what's been happening in the world of wrestling right here on my podcasthouse.com this is of course on the turnbuckle Welcome back to the second part of the show. Uh, Amber's ring, ring. What the hell was that for? Well, there was a, a Tony moment backstage at New Japan. Oh, you know, know, you know, you've had a few moments when it's named after They're you. They're called Tony moments now. Yeah. Um, and I think we've got the audio here, so um, right. we might play it. It was during Jay White's promo post match and Farlow, the Bullet Club. That's well, you're going to have a Tony moment. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. I pride myself on being focused all the time. But what the fuck was happening in the match before us? Robbie, 
I didn't see anything, but I saw bits and pieces. So maybe it's out of context. Maybe I don't have a street. But Robert, you have the chance to win gold on your home soil. And you don't capitalize on it? Out of, out of what? Some fucked up sense of pride? Out of a friendship with of all people, will fucking Osprey. Because you guys go back a couple years. Oh, what the fucking do? You had a match in Australia. Robbie, you're with the Bullet Club, the Cup Dynamo Bullet Club in New Japan. And you're too focused on wrestling Will Osprey and fucking Australia on some fucking stupid company. Robbie. Some talking. Hopefully, just talking to do. So there you have it, uh, Tony. Why was your phone ringing during that promo? Well, I had my two sons, Braden and Mitchell, both at the show, uh, which I brought tickets for them, and they just wanted to let me know where they were going to meet me after the show. And as that was the second last, you are allowed to have your phone on silent, Tony. I know, and I forgot to put it on silent. Which is a regular occurrence. Regularly, if, if you're a long-time listener, it has, it's got, I said monthly being generous. Well, she said fortnightly at least. Um, my biggest concern was that was the last match. How did your phone not ring before that? Cause <laughs> no, that's true too. Yeah, that's, that's a fair what, point. You know, it could have went off on every promo. What worries me is we were – this is the first time that we've been – in such a privileged position, <laughs> in the media room with the second biggest wrestling company on the planet. And you're like an imbecile. What you didn't hear on that little bit of audio was Jay White's reaction. <laughs> and he's just absolute disgust. It was after that last bang of the table, <laughs> which I thought was going to break in half because him and Farlow were hitting that table pretty damn hard. And he just go, that's it. <laughs> just walked off. I wasn't in the room. I got told by Mikey J, and he of which I believe Mikey might have yeah. told a few people actually. So thank you, Mikey. <laughs> um, Nick, I want your opinion on this. If you were giving your post-match interview, and some buffoon's phone goes off, what's your reaction? <laughs> I would have ripped into you, Tony. You would yeah. have heard all <laughs> well, of me gone. I, I tell you what, you wouldn't have done a better job than Mick Malthouse did for me when I was covering a Collingwood press conference <laughs> once, and the same thing happened. You have history of this, Tony. So, Just leave it. How have you not learned? I, You're a professional. I was late <laughs> to the press conference, so late, and, and Mick Mal goes off. So I didn't have the opportunity to set up all my recording gear. So I just put my phone down and hit record on that, and didn't even think about it. So I'm <laughs> sitting there. So Mick Malthouse has answered a question, and then all of a sudden. I could hear it, and I've got oh shit, and I've looked out, and he's looked at my phone, and he's gone, whose phone's that? Please tell me you have a my, terrible th- ringtone as it well. Might be mine, and he's just gone through me. How effing unprofessional that is! He's gone, you know, you could have turned it off. He said you were late in the first place, <laughs> and then you go and do that. Oh, so the the worst people to do that to in the wrestling business, the Bullet Club, yeah, and the worst person in AFL coaching, yeah. you've done not too bad. Actually, I don't know. I wouldn't want to do it to the Brat Pack because I've seen Nick throw um, an elderly couple under the bus <laughs> when they tried to walk past him on the stairs once. When I'm talking, you sit down and you shut up. I'll learn that, Nick, oh, and, I, and I will know that for next time. We'd I'll like promise. to believe that, Tony. But uh, well, The good news is, is it, has my phone rung this session? It's on silence. Only it's in the car. Told, we told you to. 
That's true. I thought if I left it there, I couldn't get in any more trouble. So you, uh, no, you had Welshie that was drunk on the night, and you leave no your phone. No one knew I was drunk. You were telling everyone. Yeah, you I were. only told you and Mikey. <laughs> Let's talk yeah. about the show, guys. Uh, it was a, a, a cracking show. I know we had a chat about it before. Did you get the opportunity to see the Robbie Eagles-Will Ospreay match? I did, and I watched it back. What did you think? As a wrestler, as a fan, we just thought it was one of the best things that we'd seen. It's the best match I've ever time. seen yeah. live. As a wrestler, what do you reckon? So when I was there live and you could hear the crowd going off and you could hear the stomping from the rafters of the fans and – you're watching it on screen, just like, wow. Like, before they had even locked up, it was, like, game over. Like, mm. they had them in the palm of their hands straight away. Uh, and then what they put on was just, I, I couldn't even fathom it. Like, they are so good. And whenever, whenever, personally, I think that I'm doing pretty well or I'm like, oh, that was really good, then I go and watch Robbie. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's so much better. And, and it proves, like, that's why he's in the company and he's in the position where he is. Like both those guys are just exceptional wrestlers. He's a, a position though that I'm not sure he wants to exactly be in and that is under the uh, having, having upset the Bullet He's upset the Bullet Club well, more than left, I did. He's left the Bullet Club. Oh, well, he has, but he's upset them in a pretty big way as well. And, and the retribution is going to be quite interesting to see how that plays out over the next couple of months now that he's joined. Uh, is it Chaos? Yes, yes. Chaos. I do Maybe love Bullet Club was upsetting him. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, true. Yeah, no, it was it was electric in the crowd. It was, and I just thing. love that Robbie's been spending the last, uh, well, at least the last six or seven years in Australia, bringing people up to his level. And Will Ospreay's been doing that worldwide. And then for Robbie to find his magic opponent, which I think is Will Ospreay, I think those two are born to wrestle each other. Um, and then to be able to do it on a big stage in front of his you know, pretty much his home away from home crowd. I think it was just the magic was bound to happen, and I was excited. I, I was talking to Rowan and Lockie before I got to the venue, and I just said that I woke up nervous that this is the biggest match for an Australian for quite some time, and I know he's going to kill it, but, geez, you just I was just nervous for him. There's and just something about Will. Like, the matches that he has with Aussies is just crazy. Just Not just Aussies, but in general, like – uh, when I watched uh, Will and, and Brooksy from a couple of years back, like I thought at the time that was the best match on Australian soil that I've ever seen. And now Robbie and Will have done that. It, it's on definitely on par with that, if not better. Like both those matches were just exceptional. And I feel like the one with Brooksy and Robbie, uh, sorry, Brooksy and Will uh, really put MCW on the map worldwide and, and Will helped grow it, and so did Brooksy. And they really, and then Brooksy going off and doing PWG, and Robbie was there, and Jonah was there. So it's just, it's another little piece of the puzzle that has created the big buzz that we have here now. So I thought it was Will Osprey and Slex at MCW 100, wasn't it? Um, yes. Yeah, I, I thought that was a, an, an amazing match yep. as well. That probably went down as in my top two or three at the time. Fantastic. Well, I mean, the, the two matches he had in the same night against Robbie, against um, Lockie and against uh, Stevie. Yeah. Incredible. Mm. Put both of those guys on the map as well. So mm-hmm. uh, Australian wrestling uh, owes Will Ospreay um, a lot because – and the funny thing about it is he doesn't really owe Australian wrestling that much. Uh, he, he thinks he does. Yeah, but he thinks he – exactly, yeah. because even in that press conference after the match, he said, I've promised that I'll be back and I will be back. Everyone out there who, who hears this, Australian wrestling fans, I will promise you I'll be back. So yeah. he intends to come back and wrestle for MCW or, or whoever it might be. Well, he, he said MCW and PWA. Yeah, and did. look, the fact is 
He's he said that moving to Japan part of the reason is because it's closer to Australia and he can spend more time here, which is well, that's cool. You can start angling for your match against him. Yeah, well, you never know. Yeah, yeah. When he, when he when he came to Australia, he wasn't in a great mental space, which he's touched on before, and a little bit burnt out from the UK scene and the wrestling scene as a whole. So he came over here on a holiday, and he's championed Australia ever since of rekindling that love. Yeah, you know, and obviously the last two or three years he's shown in every match. You know, he's trying to tear the house down. But have a listen to him on Edge and Christian podcast from last week. He um. He puts Robbie over pretty strong as well and puts Australia over. Um, and it's, it was a really fun interview. Yeah, I listened to it. It was great. And I think he pulled out four moves, five moves on the weekend that I've never seen never before. Seen. Yep, definitely. They had no name. They were just, <laughs> no. The one, and I've seen it again and I watched the replay the next day on, uh, on Fight TV. That move where he jumped off the top turnbuckle and landed on Robbie, who was on the ground, standing on the ground, He's oh. he got at least twenty five to thirty feet in the air. You almost hit the light rig. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how long. I don't know how high that top rope is from the ground. It's got to be all the. Well, we could actually the, the best part of twelve feet. Is it maybe? Uh at least. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's he's jumped he's jumped from there and gone double that. I reckon as he's come down and done a double somersault, basically, and land on Robbie. That's just amazing stuff. He's like a cat. I don't know yeah. how he does it. And he's put on a ridiculous amount of size as well and still being able to do it. He's lost yeah. nothing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's really good. Uh, we mentioned it earlier also in regards to wrestling at Festival Hall, guys. What can we do to get wrestling there on a, a more regular basis? And uh, for me, the answer is, I think, Festival Hall. Uh, Festival Hall need to come to the party with this, I think, and bring Their the price down. are ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, heard, I heard figures of around about $18,000 or something to hire it for that one night. Now, that's just unsustainable for a local promotion. There's no way that you could do that because you'd, you'd need to get 4,000 people at at least 50 bucks a head to cover your costs. Yeah. See, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Like, and if they're not having anything on, on certain Saturdays, then I don't understand why they wouldn't drop the price and, and get companies in. But regardless of the price, if that did drop in the future and they did want to sell out Festival Hall and bring Australian wrestling back there, it's not about – the internationals, like we have stars here, we have Australian stars, and and I would love to see one day almost like a like a national uh, wrestling company that would take the best of Australia and put mm. them together, and and they would be almost like a touring company, like where you could they would go to Perth one night, um, which is very untapped uh, with the amount of talent, but we just don't see over there. Uh, guys like Taylor King are killing it, and like Julian Ward. Mm. And, uh, you got Stormy there as well. Like so many good guys. But back to Festival Hall, like I really feel like if there was one company in Melbourne that was say MCW was gonna gonna go sell it out, then that's all on the fans. Uh fans that are listening to this now are probably more of the hardcore fan. Um, so they need to go and tell their friends that only watch WWE. Or say they don't even watch WWE. Maybe they watched it when they were in primary school and, and the younger years of, mm. of high school. They need to go tell them that, hey, I'll bring you along to this show. Let me buy your ticket or just buy the ticket and I'll, I'll get you a couple of beers or whatnot. Just let's go for a night out and, and watch this show and see what you think. Because I guarantee once someone's there, they will love it and they will enjoy it. But the hardest part is just getting them there. So my thing to, to wrestling fans out there is the next time that there is a big event like this or even just 
like a like a show like Ballroom Brawl coming up, for example, on on July twentieth. Bring a friend, and because Ballroom Brawl essentially the fans have made it basically MCW's biggest show of it the is. year. Everyone loves um, the Rumble because everyone loves the Rumble because and it, <clears throat> but it also it decides so much of the storytelling going forward. So um, Thornbury Theatre will be will be packed that night. So you know, every time I've brought friends, it's been guys who stopped watching wrestling after the Attitude Era, and they do sit in that crowd and they do love it. And to a man, they say they're coming back. It's about getting them to actually come back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I do challenge all the fans out there that are that are quite immersed in, immersed into the scene just to bring a friend along and and challenge them and see if they do like it, or or bring someone that's never seen wrestling before. Because if you've never seen wrestling before and you go to an event and you see storytelling, you see acrobatic, you see wrestling, you see striking, you see all these characters in there and and all these emotions, like you're literally on a roller coaster ride of emotions throughout a show, and then you walk out and you're just going to go, wow, like that's nothing I've ever seen before. And the drinks are pretty cheap. Yeah, that's always good. <laughs> They're free when you're the big sexy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, definitely um, all the companies working together would be important for that sort of a show. So I think um, having... I know I, I had this dream of like a state of origin series where you had um even if it was four way matches every night we had someone from PWA someone from MCW someone from Adelaide from Wrestle Rampage and someone from EPW in each match and like you have point system and they they start and they wrestle over two weekends in all four cities and yeah tally the points up and you have the champion and then that could be something that happens annually I don't know that would be pretty it's cool. a gimmick yeah. but. Something like that could start the conversation. Yeah. I think I think a super show with all the top talent, you know, and the early stage to, you know, obviously to make it viable for uh, Festival Hall. And then, you know, I wasn't even thinking about a, a national promotion per se. So, you know. Like you did mention it. Yeah. Talking. But I know that probably the first couple of times you are going to need internationals because you're going to need casuals. And unfortunately, the casuals are going to be more attracted to the to names than good wrestlers. So it's about getting – you'd have to get that bang on who you brought in. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, we, we get that anyway. Like, yeah. You, you see like MCWs or PWAs or whatnot. Um, and I think it's it's gone past the days of let's book two internationals that are XWE guys and have them wrestle each other. Like that could be great and all if it's a first time ever. But it's not great for the Australian scene because then those casual fans are paying to go and watch those guys that they saw on TV for 10 years wrestle each other that they could only ever see them wrestle each other on their video game when they would play. For mm. it. But now they can see it in real life. It's cool for them for that night, but it's not cool for the scene. Like they need to come here and they need to wrestle up and coming guys or not even up and coming, like stars of Australia now. Like like if you look at a breakout year like Matty Wahlberg, for example, yeah. he's done huge things this year. Um, and if he got that exposure from from wrestling more internationals, then not only are they there to see that that guy that they really wanted to see, but now they've seen how good a guy like Matty Wahlberg can be, or or anyone on that platform. And it needs to be an international who's prepared to come in Paris, and work. They've got to be Ricky, be prepared to come in to work, and they've got to be prepared to make the Australian guy look as good as they can look. Yep. I'm going to throw one in that's not on the rundown. Just while oh, we're talking awesome. about New Japan wrestling, and suddenly just coming to my head, and it's about booking and. It's it's a tough gig, and I know that because I did it a long time ago when I had my own promotion a while back. And to get the the mix right, and to get the feel right, 
is a really tough gig. And I think the New Japan Wrestling did get it right up until the final event. Uh, for mine, there is no doubt that Osprey and Eagles was always going to be the best match of the night. For me, that always means that that has to be the main event because anyone who follows it is going to make it's going to make life tough for them to try and beat or do anything similar to what had happened before. And the tag, the well, counter argument, there's a counter argument in that the crowd are going to go home on the crestfallen that Robbie's lost. No, it's 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 not even about that. It's New Japan show. Okada has to. Close a show with a yeah okay Okada promo. Hogan, I suppose. Yeah, yeah that, that's what yeah. he he's the he's the face of the company. He's the champion. Um, it's New Japan tradition. It's you know I understand you know match quality. You want to peak, but it, that's not how New Japan. Yeah. It doesn't work. It's just flavors of ice cream. Yeah, they, yeah. they like chocolate, and we like strawberry. Or I don't necessarily disagree or agree with it, but I can understand both both opinions. Uh, but I do feel like when it would have been different if Okada was was in the singles yeah. and and the heavyweight title was on the line, say, for example. Um, but it wasn't. So I feel like in that moment, Robbie and Will should have main evented, mm. uh, not just for the match alone, but for that story that they were building and, and being Robbie being the home base guy. But, yeah, it's it's flavours of ice cream. Just Yeah. Because you, for me, you just want people walking out of that stadium at that point saying, what did I just – that was just the most amazing. How good was that that we just saw? But to give him another 20 minutes, 25 minutes of a, a match that wasn't over the top? Yeah. yeah. Still it just took it I, underst- I understand what you're saying. I just think um, there are a lot of people in that building that were there just to see Okada yeah, yeah, yeah. and Tanahashi yeah. as well. Oh, totally. and, a new, yeah. And, and, a, yeah, and a New Japan show, and that's what it is. You know, Will Ospreay is not going to cut that. New Japan promo at the end saying goodbye. You know, I know I kind of lent into the Australian accent and the Aussie, Aussie, Aussie and yeah. stuff like that. But that's what the New Japan traditional fans want. You know, I'd say if Robbie was winning, if, if Robbie's he, winning it, the title, it would have been last. extremely hard to have a yeah, yeah. tag match after that. Yeah, because you know, that, yeah, you know, there wouldn't have and been I a roof that left. Was Fickle. Tanahashi's first time in Australia, as exactly. Well. Yeah, yeah, that was, as well. was huge just yeah. in itself. Fickle. one uh, promotion that's. Only done a few shows, but they're starting to get it right, I feel, uh, AEW, All Elite Wrestling. And uh, anyone see Fighter Festival? What do you think, guys? I thought it was good overall. It was really a good, good show. I, I didn't like the pre-show. I thought that was rubbish. <laughs> um, and look, I, I'm okay with you putting comedy elements into your pre-show, but the first rule of comedy is that it needs to be funny. And that's a fair point. That's where they missed the mark. Um, I think it was a bit corny. Yeah, from from mine that um, those fighter festival skits taking the piss Give out. Give me an hour the, and a half. I'll write you a better mockumentary than what they'll produce. Yeah, I think uh, I think I spoke to you about it. Maybe they should have just left that for being the elite, having take the piss out of it as a mockumentary. And I'm there to watch wrestling, and I don't want to see CEOs of gaming companies in matches. Wow, that's yeah, it was that's a crossover strange. audience. That was that's why it's weird. We're looking at it as a wrestling fan. I'm a gamer. But <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. But the you know the crowd is I don't know if it was fifty fifty or not. Um, yeah, I but the didn't re- do anything for me. MJF gave it to him. Yeah, he, <laughs> One thing he's he amazing. He's great. He's on the mic. He's uh, second to none. I yeah. Did you see his post match yes. press conference? Yeah. How good was that? He's he's a genius. But yeah, look, every match though from the start of the actual telecast was 
good to great. Mm. Um, so they've, they've scored a deal, I believe, now on TNT. TNT, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. either Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Which is Wednesdays fantastic. It is. So. Maybe Thursday our time. I don't know where we'll be able to see it yet. Well, so that's I good can for, send you a link. That's good for America, though, because that means I'll have Raw on Monday, AEW on Wednesday, and then SmackDown moves to Friday. So yeah, I wonder if TNT, I wonder if TN, um, NXT will move or not. Oh, yeah, anyway, there's a lot of wrestling to watch. Yeah. It makes it difficult to keep up with. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about that uh, hardcore match between Joey Janela and Moxley. Um, I always cringe when I see the foot spot into the, <laughs> into bare the feet into thumbtacks. Wasn't it crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Some of the visuals. For, the, for those that can't see what's happening in the studio, and that's probably everyone out there, Nick just went into a one of the weirdest looking faces. <laughs> oh, God. It was gnarly. Yeah. Oh, I watched that. It was just gross. <laughs> like, that's your feet, bro. <laughs> if it's any consolation, he was probably drunk. <laughs> probably need to be. Um, there was one thing on the show that I didn't like, um, and that was the unprotected chair shot to the head of Cody from Sean Spears, the Ty Dillinger from WWE. Um, knowing what we know now about concussion and what it can do, um, I've had a couple. I'm sure you've had a – you guys have probably all had concussion before. Tony's yeah, in constant times. Um, and knowing what happened with, you know, Benoit and American footballers, I just don't think there's a place for it. What are you? What are your thoughts, Nick? Uh, I did see it. Um, don't really like it, to be honest. Uh, like, I guess you can say it was a safe chair shot, but knowing, yeah, like you said, knowing what we know, I feel like there's no need to do it. Um, if anything, apart from online, from a crowd perspective, you would get the same reaction if he put his hand up than if he didn't. And a human, a human sees a chair and puts a hand up. Yeah, exactly. Well, naturally, you're trying to block it when it comes swinging at you. So, and if it connects, it connects. But yeah, the attention it got online was was pretty crazy. I'm so, who sure. you're saying isn't a human, Moxley, or you said a human would put their hand up? Oh no, that was if you're Co- in that situation. Cody, Cody's yeah. the one who took the head you, chair shot. You would. I know. I don't know if it's fifty fifty online. I know a lot of old school fans and old school wrestlers have defended it. Um, just for mine personally, it just took me out of the spot in the match. Um, as now I'm worried of, you know, of the long term. I didn't term. feel worried, but I didn't feel like it was needed. Yeah, like I think it's a bad message. Yeah, I, especially he's a you know an executive of the company. I think I would have just stayed in the moment of the storyline if he just put his hands up to protect himself, and then it, you know, you, even if that chair shots to the back, it's the storyline. Yeah, yeah, it's like all right, Sean Spears, no worries, you're a dick. Um, you're gonna get your heat regardless. Yeah, and. But just for mine, it, it took me out of it, and I, I was more disappointed in Cody not putting his hands up than I was Sean Spears in storyline. Well, Sean hitting Spears him. isn't the boss; he's doing what he's told. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying in storyline wise, I'm the heat's meant to be on Sean Spears. For myself, I'm thinking, hang on, you're an executive. What are you, what are you doing? Put your hands up. That doesn't that sets a bad example for everyone in your company and, and kids, worldwide. And like wrestlers, you know, is someone on the now that it's accepted because Cody's done it, obviously he's a big name in the industry now. Um, someone at local level is, oh, we don't put our hands up again. And then where does it snowball? Well, you're also at the commentators were doubling down, talking about CTE and stuff. So it's like don't make guys who can't 
function anymore because of head knocks. Your story, who are quitting, AFL football is quitting at 22 because of concussion, mm. and then you're making it a storyline by having unprotected chair shot. It just doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. What does make sense, though, is the return of Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, and their era has started on Raw and SmackDown, and we saw a bit of that today, didn't we, on Raw? Yeah, well, when this goes to air, SmackDown will have already aired, but we haven't seen that yet. But uh, Raw was better, I thought. Um, it started really hot. Yeah, I've only seen the the opening match really exploded the uh is it the Titan Tron or whatever they call it at the it was the just stage? all the electricity yeah in the building, you know, a bit of pyro and stuff exploding uh we got pyro back yeah well for the for the explosions yeah, yeah. basically they went through a, a Titan Tron sort of glass there was pyro for that LED. and then they went in yeah, that's it but they went into all the electric electrical stuff in the back right and there okay. was explosions um and and the realism continued throughout the show where, like, Seth Rollins is giving a promo, but he stops halfway through it to say, look, my thoughts are with Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman and, like, really nailing down on it. If I was going to be brutal about it and nitpick, I would have loved to have seen once those explosions happen, Raw goes dark and then they go to rush to ads. And then when they come back for the first 10, five minutes, you've got one guy with a handy cam as your feed. And then bring it back, and then it's like, then it just feels real. I actually thought you were going to say Seth Rollins got interrupted his promo. Someone's phone was ringing. That's what I thought he was leading to, Tony. No, no WWE professionals. You dick. Oh, me. But I, th- I, but I think Heyman. That's unfair. Heyman will do a good job. I think. Um, I just hope he's allowed to do it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what they can do. Obviously, Raw hasn't been good. You know, in the last probably month, maybe six weeks, it's been flat uh, from what I've seen from Raw today. And both shows will have a unique personality now because you've got two very different guys who ran very different shows, but both had success. So hopefully. From a wrestler's point of view, what's it like when you do get that little bit of new blood into the the dressing room or the like? Does it sort of just reinvigorate everyone a little bit? Well, if you're changing talent, of course – uh, because say for example, like, like a lot of people were always uh, shit on the draft and all that sort of stuff that WWE would do. But if you change the whole locker and then you got all new matches and you can do, like, why limit yourself to only being able to work X, Y, and Z when you got mm. A, B, and C that are just on the other show? So when you when you switch that up, it's good. Um, but creative switching can be good and bad. Like if you're in a rut and you're not really getting used, but then there's someone else that thinks that they can use you then that's also good but then that can also come to smack you on the bum as well so i think having having both those guys on board now will benefit the company um but at, at the end of the day it's just how they deliver it as as a wrestler as well like you can get handed something but you still need to deliver and that also goes to the fact that if you get handed sh- like shit austin mm. will always say how do you turn chicken shit into chicken salad so it, it goes both ways you chop it up? Chop it up. <laughs> Chicken shit to turn into salad. Is that what you do? Bruce Pritchard's got a recipe. Listen to his podcast. <laughs> oh, well. Concussion, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Upcoming shows, Friday the 5th of July, Riot City Wrestling in Adelaide. Uh, they present Long Live the King with Zach Sabbath against Rocky 
Mer- is Monero. It? Monero. Thank you very much. Uh, Saturday, July the 6th, Newcastle Pro Wrestling is live at the Central Coast Leagues Club. Uh, this show will be live-streamed on OVO, which is great. Uh, NAW in Melbourne present a War Games match. PCW is on at Ferntree Gully with no escape. This is their big monthly special, and they have a match with a shark cage, which will be worth the price of admission alone. I'm, I am interested to see the shark cage. Is that like a square... Uh, you'll be above the ring in a shark cage. Is there going to be sharks? Mm. No, it's a WWE style shark cage match. I think, like when so, Jerry Lawler has been up there, like when shark. Enzo was up there at one. If there stage. were sharks, that'd be great. Yeah, that's very interesting. Loser gets pushed out of the cage into the shark into the pool. You used to sharks. be a promoter, Tony. Book it. <laughs> Sell out Festival Hall. The Wrestling Go in Sydney present the Ewan. Monkley Memorial Show and Ricky South takes on Jessica Troy in the main event. If you've got an idea for a podcast, uh, get in touch with us here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the turnbuckle and uh, through our Facebook pages and we'd love to get you on air. Uh, tune we're, in next week, folks, too, because we've got... We don't have a guest someone. yet. Someone will work it out. Um, where can people see you coming up, Nick? Uh, so next weekend... At uh, Essendon versus Sydney at- Yes, you Marble can Stadium. at MCG this Saturday. Oh, is that MCG? Is yep, it? There you go. Yep. So you'll be there too. Yeah. No, no, I mean, uh, I've got motor racing this uh, weekend. Yeah. That's well, what we're doing on Tuesday night. buy me at the footy, come buy me a beer. Uh, <laughs> well, and then after strength. that, uh, Showdown Wrestling on July 13th. In Weza. Yes. My yeah. hometown. Yeah, it's back there. Uh, and July 20th is Boreham Brawl for MCW. And July 26th is Wrestle Rock. I'll be back there. And the following that, the 27th of July, uh, down at GPW. Geez, there's no chance your parents going to Werribee then, is he? No. No, I would have thought so. <laughs> North of the Arrow. <laughs> They've never heard of it. West, west of the Arrow. It's even worse. <laughs> uh, guys, great work. Nick, thank you so much for your time, mate. Really do appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, guys, for having me. And congratulations, and we wish you all the best in the future, boys. We'll catch you next week with our very special guest. Well, we hope we haven't got a guest yet. We will have. We'll hype it up. I'll I'll work hard on it. Oh, Oh, no. Tony, you had to put out feelers again. Oh, Oh, Shanecki's calling. Uh, That's it. Another episode of On the Turnbuckle wrapped up and locked in the can. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to catching you again next week right here on mypodcasthouse.com. Ring, ring.